What if my problem wasn't that I don't understand people, but that I don't like them? What if I was obliged to hurt you for something like this? I mean, physically. I think you'd have to believe afterwards, if you could, that agreeing to participate and then backing out at the critical moment was a mistake. Because that's what I'm telling you. As clearly as I can. exploring faith and fear, what scares us and what saves us. This is The Fear of God. Hello and welcome once more to the podcast at the intersection of faith and fear. Your favorite podcast, my favorite podcast, where every week we discuss what scares us in order to find what saves us. This is the Fear of God podcast. Speaking to you right now is one of your hosts, Nathan Rouse, one of your pals. Typically with me is one of my pals, one of your other hosts, Reed Lackey. And well, he was here a minute ago, you guys, but... And uh, he said he's working on a startup and he wants me along an outfit called Lackey Production News. He said I could maybe start with an internship, but I thought maybe I was worth more than an internship. And, uh, you know, he said he'd crunch the numbers and he'd be right back. So, whoo, side hustle. It's wild days these days in America. You know, everybody needs an extra buck or two in the meantime while he does his accounting allow me to welcome you back to this year-long series in a year that's lasted years a series called 2020 2020 where we are in fact examining 20 films of the last 20 years in this the year 2020 uh to know more about this series you can go back 20 years to January 2020 and check out our precap episode, a little, a little bonus that outlined the purpose of 2020, 2020. Um, today we are camping out in the year 2014, that halcyon year that feels like an epoch ago. Uh, but I'm getting ahead of myself using words like epoch, not to be confused with epic, epic. It's uh, got a nice little ring to it, doesn't it? <laughs> because here at The Fear of God, we explore. We don't explain. Except for right now. 
When I explain that you, dear listener, can listen to The Fear of God at your nearest podcast platform, you can watch The Fear of God often, not all the time, but most of the time, on YouTube. And you can browse The Fear of God on the web at thefearofgodpodcast.com, where you will find episode archives and merchandise and, you know, a rundown of bios of people who participate on the show sometimes and other things like cell phone cases and t-shirts and campaign buttons and face masks and it's crazy days here in america and read riri you are whoa whoa it's a little back the f up read you know you're a little <laughs> close there bro no <laughs> that's, a, that's one of my favorites you know like i i saw uh, one time there was a poster. You know those little sweetheart candies that they give away at Valentine's yeah, Day. I do. And no, they always have the little. They always have the little phrases written on them. Well, there was some that said, uh, "These are the the anti sweetheart ones." Yeah. And, and yeah. you know, one of them was like, you know, just friends. And another one said, "Not so close." Okay. Yeah. That was funny. That was so, funny. Yeah. Hey. You know, hey, buddy. Hi. How are you? I'm okay. Good. Good. You know what? I hope that by the time this airs, we will have a president. Yeah, because we don't by the time um, it's recording. <laughs> no, we don't. I mean, my my deepest of hopes is it's a different president. But, you know, at this point, no, no, don't say that, Nathan. <laughs> Hopefully, when this airs, we'll have a president. So I'll, I'll Patience. Just, I'll leave it right there. Be careful what you wish for. <laughs> true, 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 true. true. Um, yes. Yeah, so, uh, hi. Uh, we are we're we're back hey, into friend it. Friends, we we need to uh, conduct just a small, brief bit of some business, if you will. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, um, what business are you in? What's, uh, what's that from? Is it Pootie Tang? <laughs> I'm like, no. Let me roll through my Rolodex no. of obscure Chris Rock movies that Nathan's made me watch. That's not Chris Rock. That's not Chris oh, that's, Rock. That's actually that's Delroy Lindo, Circa oh, Satterhouse Rules. That's, what business you in? Oh, okay. The other one that makes me think of is, um, <laughs> well, number two. What's your business? No, what do you? Well, number two. What do you do? <laughs> that's my business. <laughs> Austin Powers. Powers. No. Yep. Yes, that you got that one right. Who does number two work for? Um, so hey, you know what? You know what's really funny? What? We're not going to do a what you're watching, but I and I shouldn't use it here, but I made myself think of it a minute ago. We just started watching a show on Netflix. That's what I do. I won't name the show that Bill Camp shows up in, and oh. uh, I had such a hard impulse to just be like, eh. You know, I was watching it with my wife. Like, sure, you, you know, were. You push sure. a little, push a little girl down a well. You know, you yeah. play some chess. With a little gal. <laughs> she from... just turns and looks at you and just shakes her. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> just like, no, yeah. stop, stop, stop. Play chess with a girl from The Witch. Oh, what? man. Riri, so you were trying to tell me it's business time. And yes, I, I was. just derailed us <laughs> because that is what I do. And Riri, I do want to tell you and the listeners, 2021 is fast approaching. Oh. Woo! Coming like a coming like a bullet train, and it is going to it's going to just just run us over. Because we've talked about how slow this year has gone. Twenty twenty one is just going to just flatten us. Yes, there's not going to be anything. It's the stampede left. Uh, It's the Jumanji stampede. Yeah, or it's like the boulder in Indiana Jones. Mm -hmm. So anyway, (laughs) we usually take twenty twenty one off 
And I want, I'm just prepping myself. I'm prepping we don't my take heart. all of 2021 off. We take January. Did I say that? Yeah. I'm sorry. We take, yes. we take January, January. off. See? <laughs> Crazy days. I mean, <laughs> they are. Left is right, up is down. Um, we take January off. It's <laughs> a. It's a thing we do. Uh, but I want listeners to be able to find us and be able to talk to us and talk to each yes. other. And, you know, if you are relatively new to the fear of God, one, welcome. Hi we there. Are thrilled you're here. Um, hopefully I won't turn you off anytime soon. Reed has a habit of not doing that. I can occasionally, but, um, uh, that was just unnecessarily self-deprecating. It but was. I mean, like, I was like, oh, join- <laughs> I know, I know, but it's, it, it is, it's there now. Um, We've got a Facebook group. We so do. that's the point of this blathering. Come join the Facebook group. I blather rather minimally there. Blather rather. <laughs> blather <laughs> rather. Huh. Blather rather. This is going to be an interesting hmm. episode. I can already blather see rather the... with a lather. <laughs> right. <laughs> I can see the writing on the wall. Um, okay. So, uh, so yes. Facebook group. Read your in group. It. I'm in it. Yes. Our, our Come staff. Join us. Are let's, in it. let's be in it. Together then. So, yeah. um, nice. so, um, the other you thing that we're on a well, you could come to okay. Facebook. So, <laughs> so what we want to do, <laughs> we want you to go to the fear of God podcast.com or this fear is of God podcast.com. This is right. the second note. Yes. New note. Yes. And we want you to click on the button that says subscribe. And hmm. when you click on that on button the front page. on the front page that says subscribe, it's going to send you an email. You're going to have to reply to that email. Just click it back to authenticate your email address. And then you can just kind of breathe for a few minutes. Just rest, relax. And, and then, then, then and then what will happen is then Nathan will reach out to you. And I say it's going to be him because I've never done this and don't anticipate <laughs> doing this anytime it's soon. It's the intern. Yes. <laughs> Nathan yeah, Naus. We've got so, an intern. So basically, uh, he's going to reach out to you, ask you for a, a solid mailing address, if not your home, a solid mailing address where you might receive a free Fear of God sticker yeah. with Jacob Hunt artwork on it, completely free to you um, as a thank you for sharing your email with us and joining our mailing list. All it would require I mean, is be, the time. You know, To be fair, hopefully it is their mailing address. Well, you know, you Not can just, just they can, they can join it to be like, hey, I, just yeah. want, the, I want the guy down the yeah. street to get, <laughs> you know, <laughs> he <laughs> loves guy. horror movies. <laughs> <laughs> I never listen myself, but you know, this guy. <laughs> join so, the Facebook group. I'm not going to yeah. do that. Um, <laughs> yes. Uh, first thing was join the Facebook group. Second thing was subscribe. Reply to the subscribe email. I will reach out because it won't be read because he's old and doesn't know how to work these things. He's like a grandpa. Um, <laughs> <laughs> lastly, leave us a review. It's been a while. We kind of stalled out at 70 something. It's just fine. It's fine. Almost That's 80. a lot. That's almost a, it 80. is almost 80. You know what? It'd be great to hit 80 by the it end would. of 2020. Not the age, but the number right. of reviews. So yes, it'd be great two to hit people. eighty. If, if two yeah. people out there, just come on. Two, there's two of you out there. Yes. I can yes. feel you. I just see touch that the hand. Screen. So, <laughs> so man, we are. Woo, we're wired. off the rails already. Yeah, already. It's already. just business time too. Isn't we haven't even started talking about Jakey G. Lord have mercy. Um, so yes, go leave us a review. It'd be great because you you're here. You like the show. Maybe you love the show. Go just post it for the world to see. Sure. Tell, tell, because then we'll 
blow it up to the socials and it'll be just awesome. nice. So it'll be wonderful. Um, join the Facebook group. We can chat. Emails for stickers. Yep. Leave a review. That, and yes. And oh, oh, and and I always forget. You do, you do, but I don't. So um also I am Johnny Smith. While you're there at fearofgodpodcast.com, <laughs> while you're there, uh, yes. after you have clicked on the subscribe button, also go to the banner at the top of the homepage. Click on that. That will take you to the remaining surveys. As of this um, episode, the surveys for 2013, 14, and 15 are closed and are in the books. Wow. So 2016 through 2020 require your votes you can influence what is in the top 10 and also possibly what we decide to cover so go to the fearofgodpodcast.com click on the banner on the top that'll take you to the 2020 2020 surveys where you can select your favorite horror films from each of those respective years as we continue that countdown through the remainder of 2020 so uh go get out that vote and uh yeah that we'll count it and we we will. will it won't take too long because there aren't, you know, uh, uh, 140, mil- 140 million of you. Correct. I mean, that'd be kind of cool, but I don't know if I could handle that. Not, but Not today. Um, Survey Monkey certainly couldn't. Um, <laughs> thank you, Reed, for reminding us to vote in 2020-2020 for years 2016 through 2020. 2020. <laughs> um, <laughs> we're like the Hugh Downs and Barbara Walters of the fear of God. <laughs> I'll let you pick. Um, Riri! Speaking of Persona, mm-hmm. it is once more time to welcome back to the show for it's 14, 15, We got seven left, seven <laughs> appearances left <laughs> of Lackey the Listicle, my occasionally listless list making Lackey. Hi, everybody. Never <laughs> <laughs> not funny. It's so good to be here with you all again. So, um, yes. Welcome, Lackey the Listicle. What are we doing today? It's good to be here. So, (laughs) it's going to be 2014's Countdown, the listener voted favorite horror film. Listener voted top 2014 voted by our listeners. And this, I uh, understand, is a list that you have seen every entry on the list. So, okay, so also, I believe with one exception, hmm. we have covered everything. Well, there you the go. List. So, that's, why that's don't how you, I got I tell here. You what, why don't you do tell evens me. this time? Why don't you do oh, evens? Okay. Yeah, We're going to start with that handsome devil, mm. the blue eyed, <laughs> just mm-hmm. towel wrapped Dan Stevens mm-hmm. in The Guest, directed by. Adam Wingard, uh, who also directed You're Next, which was Fear of God episode 191. I was also trying to tell you that you're next as well. Oh, uh, yes, so, yeah, the guest. Yes. Good flick. We have not covered this. I want to. We'll, we, yeah. See, 2020. Nah. You know what? No. You know what? Stop, what? stop being Creature from the Black Lagoon, just swiping down all my <laughs> things that I want to cover. You know what? No, 22- I'm much more open to this than whatever that other one was. <laughs> oh, warm yeah. Bodies. War, warm buddies. Oh. Yeah. What- <laughs> You write it down and it's worn 
buddies. <laughs> I'm looking for it. What? I don't get it, Reed. What is it? Uh, wearing Warm buddies? Buddy. I don't understand. So, um, no, what 2021 should be for our coverage, actually, is we should just spend an entire year covering all of the things that like we've wanted to for years and never have gotten to. Just, just abandon series format entirely and just be like, you know what? We've been wanting to cover this. We've been wanting to cover this. Let's just do it. Uh, that's uh, that, that you, you heard it here first. That's my that's, that's my your pitch. pitch for it's just yeah. It's just whatever. Willy nilly. It's called the hashtag Willy nilly, and we just go, <laughs> we just do whatever. That's a, <laughs> you know, you know, for someone for someone as fastidious as you are, and just prone to listicle making, to just have a grab bag. I don't think you could handle that long. <laughs> you know, you'd be like, which one we cover this week, Nathan? Willy nilly. You know. <laughs> <laughs> Hashtag willy nilly. We're on willy nilly volume 40. <laughs> like, oh God, I'm tired of this. <laughs> I need some fair structure. Point. As soon as I saw it, like, you know, half of me was just like, don't do this. Don't do this. This is going down a bad half path. Of, other half of you was like, maybe? maybe. Maybe. So, number nine. Number 10 was the guest. I hope we cover it sometime soon because it's a great film. Number nine is a film we have covered. Specifically on Fear of God episode 13, again, going way back in the day. Way it is back. Unfriended, directed by Levin, uh, in air quotes, Leo Gabriadzi. And it, it is um, a film that I love. I unabashedly love it. Like when it comes up, I tell people, yeah, sure, maybe it's not for everybody. I love it. I think Unfriended is a really fun uh, strong film. It's a great horror flick. I think it has some interesting things to say. We said a lot about it on episode 13. So go all the way back. I remember in the day. recording that in your, at your yes, place. In my apartment. In the same yep. day we recorded for the Babadook and That's Witches. That's, Scott Snyder, comic yep. book. Episodes maybe, 11, 12. Maybe one more. Uh, no, I think that was it. I think that was, was our coverage. Three? Yeah. But episodes 11, 12, and 13 were all recorded in a kind of a marathon session sitting at my you know, coffee table. Uh, actually, that was at our dining room. Dining room table. table. Yep. yep. So, but uh, yeah, so go back and hear our uh, episode on Unfriended. That is still one after all these years, despite some of those other early episodes. That is still one I am very proud of and think you will enjoy quite a bit. So go check out Unfriended. Um, what is number eight? Number eight is uh, The Purge Anarchy, starring Brock Rumlow as Crossbones, mm -hmm. directed by. James DeMonaco and Fear of God episode 104. Did you nod your head like, yeah, that is Brock Rumlow in there? No. You did. I think you did. did <laughs> I think I? I got you for a second. Yeah. Did yeah. I go, mm. Uh huh. Yeah. Mm. I don't know what you did. I just, out of my periphery, I saw a head nod and I think, and I thought, <laughs> I, I got I him. <laughs> I, got I, don't, him. I don't know what I do either. I actually, so, sadly, can't remember his name. What's his name? I don't remember his name. Oh my gosh. We should look it up. <laughs> We're terrible. We're, We're terrible hosts. So We're just going to cut that part out. Um, what? So the Purge Anarchy. Have you seen that? <laughs> we covered it. I don't remember. It. I know. I'm kidding. I know. Um, That's what I so, do. Yes. Go Frank Grillo. Frank, Frank Grillo. Yeah, yeah, Frank Grillo. That I called is, him Brock Rumlow because that's the name of the character in the MCU who also becomes Crossbones in Civil War. Yes, but I did not remember that. I just remembered I was I was nodding Some and affirming fan. the crossbones because he was crossbones. I did remember. Right. That. So, okay. We're moving on from this. So the Purge okay. Anarchy uh, episode one oh four, go check our, our conversation about that. Um and it's then part of coming, the series number two. Number two. Number seven 
on the list is a film that I remember you raved about, and I also am very, very fond of, is directed by Anna Lily Amarpour. It is Fog, episode 149, A Girl Walks Home Alone at Night. At Night, on a skateboard. (laughs) (laughs) Does she <laughs> with a cape? Floating. A girl skates home alone at night. Doesn't have quite the same ring to it. No, I love that movie. That is a an excellent an excellent film. Uh, and go check out all of our thoughts on that. I think this is going to be a brisk list because we we've covered yeah. so much of it. Um, okay, so what's number six? Uh, number six is the Wild uh, Gone Girl, directed by David Fincher, who also directed Zodiac, uh, which we covered on episode forty four and seven, which we covered on episode. 61 i'd be kind of interested to to cover gone girl i don't know that i've got a ton i would say necessarily at least the, at the ready but mainly just to rewatch it and kind of enter it into the canon but no good flick yeah i'd agree I, th- I think it is a good it is a good film i mean fincher is such a strong strong director um but gone girl is i, I remember just being I, that is one of those other occasions where i had read the book by gillian flynn before uh-huh. i saw the movie so i knew the conceits that were ahead of us when I watched the film, but very captivating um, and, uh, and re- I mean, disturbing and upsetting in a number of ways as well. But uh, yeah, really effective and powerful thriller. Uh, so yeah, Gone Girl, you're number six. Number five, gosh, this made me happy. Uh, directed by Jermaine Clement, Taika Waititi, Fog episode number 141, part of our Funny or Die series. It is what we do in the shadows. That is uh, still a film- Brit- that delights present. me. Remain present. Present. Mary. Present. <laughs> I love this. I love this movie so, so much. Um, I will occasionally, this is one of the few films that I do this with. And maybe I shouldn't do this with films. But this is a film that I will occasionally pop open on my digital copy of it, pick a random so, scene, and okay. watch like five or mm. ten minutes of it. And just like, just intersperse in because it's because yeah. it's good for it's so many it's like laugh a minute and it is very very fun and i enjoy the film immensely so what we do in the shadows was your number five i like to think friendship with me is like that just laugh a minute it uh, just, can uh, be yes laugh, a, laugh yeah. every now and then yeah number four is creep uh, uh, featured on Fear of God episode 88, directed by Patrick Bryce and starring Marks Duplass uh, and Peach Fuzz. Um, and Peach Fuzz. You know what's funny? One of the same, huh? Yeah. You know what's funny about Peach Fuzz? So, um, I would, I would imagine, I would, I would, if I were to hazard a guess, because, you know, I mean, you've been with me at Halloween Horror Nights. You've been with mm-hmm. me, you know, you've seen me out in the wild and in the elements. I like to think. That if I were to ever encounter Peach Fuzz in the wild, if I were to ever like, you know, just sort of try to be accosted by him, his ears or something, you know, I'd probably, I'd probably would not be very faced. I probably would just, you know, be like, "Oh, come here, Peach Fuzz." How you, you know how doing? last week when we discussed Under the Skin, it was about just like humanness and mm-hmm, like mm-hmm. what is or isn't there. I think there's just <laughs> there's like a husk that is lackey, <laughs> and there's just nothing. He's just unfazed. He just, you know. <laughs> Yeah. So, yeah. so uh, do, do you mind if I tell the story really quick? I, I don't care. <laughs> so, so one time when we had all of the Fear of God Pod Bros together in one location, and uh, some of them, but yes, but yeah, and so we were there together, and I had uh, gone to the restroom, 
and <laughs> to <him> married. <laughs> but listen, it's important for context for the story. I'm not going to go into what I did there. Like, come on. Like, so, but um, I went, uh, stepped out. Of the room. Way to spell out the joke. <laughs> <And> so, <laughs> when, I, when I stepped out of the room, our good friend Jeff Hansen was there waiting, like just a few feet away, garbed in the peach fuzz mask ready and waiting now it should be known that when i went to the restroom there was not even a hint that such a mask even existed or that jeff would be there waiting and that the rest of my friends would be downstairs including nathan with a camera waiting to like point up and capture what they they were sure they were sure would be wild high-pitched screaming startling well, maybe uh, having to, let's, let's maybe having let's to go back into the away. bathroom you know so, something <laughs> but instead the moment he accosted me i did this weird sort of gesture where i was like ah, come here yeah it actually put it actually put the fear of god in a whole new context for me <laughs> i was like you know just envisioning what's happening in your brain at that moment it's like maybe what you've always dreamed of. It's like that you're just going to turn a corner and there's going to be a movie monster there. And you're like, Oh, this is the best thing ever. (laughs) Oh my my God. This is my day. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Holding back tears. So uh, Um, anyway, no, I just had to, had to to share that little peach fuzz. (laughs) Mark's dupless reads lackey. Yes. Uh, What's number number three on the list? Riri. Number three on the list is our featured coverage today. We'll be talking a little bit more about it. I teased it last uh, week that uh, director Dan Gilroy also directed Velvet Buzzsaw, which was Fog episode 121. But this week we are talking about his film that was number three on your list. It is Nightcrawler starring Jake Gyllenhaal. We will be unpacking that very, very shortly. What's number two? Uh, number two is, appropriately <laughs> enough, The Babadook. Oh, uh, the Babadook, directed by Jennifer Kent. This is Fear of God, episode 11. And your helpful notation signals to me that this was the first episode we ever recorded after the show had begun airing. That's wild. This is a That's great flick. Oh, it's a wonderful movie. So, confession time before oh. we reveal number one. Um, this was, and I am, I am, I am actually not making an absurd, uh, you know, like cultural relevant joke here right now. You don't do that. Number one and number two, when the time came to tally the votes, number one and number two were ostensibly tied. And so were they, or were they ostensibly? No, that's a good point. They were tied. They were tied. Let's listener votes. Right. So listener votes. Uh, I peek behind the curtain. Listener votes um, had tied number one and number two. It's the first time that that has happened on the show, but li- number one and number two were tied. So we called in some of our friends to break the tie between the two. So if you don't like where number one and number two landed, it's because, you know what, the same amount of votes came in for each of them, and we called upon our sort of internal family, Fog family, to break this tie. Um, So number two landed at the Babadook. Number one, directed by David Robert Mitchell, Fog episode 15. We're going all the way back to like all the early days. It is It Follows. It Follows is the number one 
for 2014. But poor cold went out for Babadook because you know what? Ask different people. Maybe Babadook would have been number one. So, um, all right. That was your <clears> top 10 of 2014. Nathan, will you please do us the favor of pulling up the top box office draws, uh, top box office winners for 2014? I will do that. Read. Do that. Um, it's, a, it's a decent list here. Except for that one. Um, <laughs> um i i enjoyed how we did this last week so i'm gonna briskly do 10 through 6 10 is interstellar by christopher nolan uh he who you know was expected to shoulder the entirety of the movie business of 2020 with tenant which unfortunately didn't happen uh but that comes out in december so i might Mm. see that then at home uh number nine the amazing spider-man 2 starring andrew garfield decent flick I like it. Decent flick. I, I like I'm the Garfield Spideys. Like, yeah. um, number eight, Dawn of the Planet of the Apes. That's a great flick. That's the second one. That's the second right? one. Yeah. Yeah. Excellent. Koba. No. Ape. Koba. Yeah. Oh, man. It's great. Great, great film. Uh, yeah. Number seven, speaking of great flicks, is the one, the only, the Sentinel of Liberty, Captain America, the Winter Soldier. Oh, that's the one right there. That's, the, that's a big favorite among MCU fans. Number six. Interesting. Beating Cap by 30 mil is X-Men Days of Future Past. Wow. You think that was probably just the pedigree of all the cast coming together and the stories and everything? I don't know. Um, I, don't, I, I think that's a decent one. Um, I mean, I think it's probably my second favorite behind X2. I think Days of Future Past is probably my second favorite X-Men installment. Yeah. But, that's okay. Yeah. Number five. <laughs> uh, at 755,350,000 is The Hunger Games Mockingjay Part 1, the last of The Hunger Games films I saw before mm. I decided that poor PETA just... I just I didn't care. Wasn't doing it for you. <laughs> so, <laughs> I just I, didn't I, care. It, it, you you got to be pretty like you got to you got to not stick the landing to be like you know what I'm not going to finish this hey, right, because not right, only like, is it not who cares a, not only is it not the final installment you know like it'd be one thing to just say like I'm going to skip out on the fourth movie right. you're skipping out on part two of the third movie like okay yeah. I've seen enough <laughs> yeah yeah I'm good uh, it doesn't like it doesn't matter I'm gonna make up my own life ending, okay we're just we're uh, gonna number move on. four is the remixed Disney fable uh, starring Angelina Jolie and making $758,410,000, Maleficent, which I still have never seen. My kids love it, though. I have a I have some problems with the film that probably aren't worth going into right now, but it has nothing to do with Angelina Jolie's performance or anything. Just I don't like that they do the whole, like, oh, we're just going to pretend the original fairy tale was nothing and was all wrong. We're just going to flip the script. I mean, sure, it's inventive in its own way. I just... Anyway, yeah, whatever. Do you need some more room? I don't need any more. This? No, okay. you go right uh, number three on the list, Riri. Uh, something good, something bad, a little bit of both. It would be the Guardians of the Galaxy. No. Oh. At $772,700,000. This is ridiculous. I just got <laughs> mad looking at this. <laughs> Read. Listen to this. Uh-oh. Number two. Yeah, speaking of number two. Number <laughs> one and number two are a bunch of number two. Baba Duke. Uh, <laughs> number two is the most just blah bit of video game mishmash oh my garbage Lord. that made almost 200 million more than Guardians of the Galaxy. It is The Hobbit, The Battle of the Five Armies. That, that makes me mad. Wow. Okay. That's sure. a terrible yeah. movie. All right. 
I it, uh, and utterly forgettable. I don't remember a thing about it. Right. Yeah. Neither does Peter Jackson or <laughs> anybody that's in it. It's like, did we make that? They would that? much rather forget. Number one, speaking of rather forget, is a movie I admittedly did not see, and that is oh. Transformers: Age of Extinction. Wow, they were still at making one point one billion. Good lord! At yeah. that point, that's just I want to see big spectacle on the big screen. That's that's all that is. Sure. The story, they're like, oh my gosh. You know, you mentioned Transformers last week. Battle of the Five Autobots. What? You mentioned last week that you've never watched like the fa- Fast and the Furious movies or whatever. Like, do you think there's a world in which you would say like one Saturday, you know, it's like, you know what? I'm just going to queue up all 23 Transformers movies. Nope. No. <laughs> no. I won't do it. Bumblebee is good. Bumblebee's, Bumblebee's, Bumblebee's really actually good. really good. Um, uh, the first one is fair. Yeah. I have I like zero interest. And yeah. now. You make an interesting sort of juxtaposition there. It's because probably to a great degree, I actually like, I, I grew up with the Transformers. So there's a, sure, a sense yeah. in which you've kind of soiled slash sullied this mm, for me. Whereas mm. Fast and the Furious, I, I don't care. It's a bunch of cars. I don't care no, about cars, yeah, but no pre-investment. You know, that sounds sure. fun. Yeah. Uh, so no, I will not take you up on what sounded like your overture to be like, Nathan, I really really want to watch all of the transformers <laughs> no i no, guess no, that no. b-side is going to be with someone else nathan <laughs> <laughs> no thank you no thank you um, <laughs> um, i do want to before we move into the yep. wonderful film that is nightcrawler i do want to just make a couple of observations it Spoiler is interesting alert. there's some there's some unconventional um you know there, there I, I will mention there's at least two films that feature vampires in this list what we do in the shadows and the girl walks home alone at night um but then there's also a lot of unique and uh unconventional horror films gone girl uh even unfriended um the guest i would say is is a rather unconventional horror film nightcrawler certainly is um the babadook uh it follows they've all got some rather uh in their own way they're they're pretty inventive either in their narrative or their formatting or what they are trying to be about so this is the kind of list and i think this is why so many of these films we have already covered is because there's a lot a of, hell film. of a list. Yeah, this is a lot of there's a lot of really strong films on this list and they're doing a lot of really interesting things. They're all very, very entertaining. So uh, so, yeah, I'm just I'm, I'm really happy with this overall 2014 list. It's really well. Strong. And I mean, I would say numbers one and two. But as you just revealed to us, tied for first. Sure. Um, right, right, right. I mean, it follows in the Babadook. Uh, to this four-year expert of the horror genre, those are high watermarks. Those are new, oh, absolutely. yes, new benchmarks for the genre itself. No, couldn't agree more. Yeah, this is this is a really really strong list. It, listeners, if you have if any if there's any on this list that you have not yet seen, um, I would strongly encourage. Like all of them are high recommendations. We're going to get into Nightcrawler right now, but all of them are high recommendations. If there's any of those you haven't seen, uh, go check them out. Honestly, I think probably the weakest on the on the list, for my personal opinion, is probably the Purge Anarchy, and even it, I greatly enjoy. You know, so yeah, they're they're all uh, they're all really really strong. So yep, go check those out. That was. Everybody, that was 2014. <laughs> <laughs> um, so uh, now. Let's get into let's get into Nightcrawler. Can I tell you a story? Tell me. So I knew, like when 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 I knew as the list was shaping up. Okay, Nightcrawler is probably going to land at number three, or ostensibly again 
there was a tie for first, so ostensibly kind of second place behind two films. Um, but when I knew Nightcrawler was going to be what we were going to cover because of that, I had this little ping where I was like, oh, man, I'm excited to revisit that film. I remember really liking that film. I don't remember that much about it, but I'm excited to revisit it. Dude, like 30 minutes into this thing, I had this weird experience that I rarely have anymore, even with rewatches, where I'm like, dang, I feel so good to be rewatching this movie. This is an exciting film. It's an interesting film. It captivating performances. This is a, a powerful experience. And man, I am just, I, I feel so glad <laughs> that there's a, an excuse and a format in which I can just rewatch this film and dive into it. This is, I don't know what your experience was specifically, but it, this was a really, really wonderful rewatch for me because it was only my second time seeing it. And I'm just over the moon over this film. So I'm going to be gushing well, about I've it seen a lot. It several times and and i still am so just energized by the white house um sort of assault the assault on the white house scene oh gosh you know when he's just like bamping through and taking out those this is not this is not the you know when you said white house at first i was about to correct you and say you meant horror house no and then then as soon as you said yeah and as soon as you said bamfing i'm like what what, yep i know because i I could tell I didn't have you yet. No, you didn't. So I have needed. I needed to be you, real direct. As soon as you say the word "bamf," then I'm like, oh, "Yeah, I know." Okay, no, this is not. This little is not and brimstone. Alan Cummings. No, no, no. Little. Uh, no, no, no. In the Munich Circus, they called. I was Kurt Wagner, but when I was in the Munich Circus, they called me the Amazing Nightcrawler. That's a great. <laughs> I love the X Man Nightcrawler with a deep and abiding love, and I love Dan Gilroy's film nightcrawler yes so yeah yes so this just, is dan just, gilroy's film just bamping with your riri nightcrawler yes indeed yes. Uh, um, so no busy. i had seen this once remembered enjoying it questioned that experience after velvet bustle and was happy to <laughs> was happy upon revisiting it to have even more energy around it do you want to do some bits let's do some do? bits the only thing i'll comment on is like Dan Gilroy's made three major feature films, Nightcrawler, Velvet Buzzsaw, and Roman J. Israel Esquire, which I still have not That's seen. That's Denzel. Yeah, right. with Denzel. I'm not seeing that. So as as listeners will recall from that episode, if you haven't seen if you haven't heard our episode on Velvet Buzzsaw, you can go check it out. Uh Nathan was I think it would be fair to say like sort of tepid to negative, te- or sure. tepid to neutral on um uh, Velvet Buzzsaw. I actually enjoyed it. I do think it's a when compared with Nightcrawler, it's a far inferior experience. But I actively enjoyed Velvet Buzzsaw. Enjoying Velvet Buzzsaw, and then my recent experience with Nightcrawler, I did not realize that Dan Gilroy directed Roman J. Israel. So this makes me want to like. I haven't seen it yet. So this makes me really want to like. Okay, now I want to seek out Roman J. Israel Esquire because I I apparently really connect very strongly with Dan Gilroy's work. So, yeah, mm. I haven't seen that one. Have you seen that, Roman J. Israel? I have not. No. So it, that's all that, you know, we have to say about that, because I just I haven't seen it either, but I just wanted to, to watch Say it more. Now. No, I don't have to. Oh. We get, we get. <laughs> <laughs> nothing, nothing else to say. Nothing, nothing else to say. Um, so, yes, the film Nightcrawler starring Jake Gyllenhaal, uh, Rene Russo, Riz Ahmed, and a uh, uh, supporting role by Bill Paxton. Um, oh, Bill Paxton. A few bits here. Um, 
I really enjoyed. So there's an insane scene in the film where Gyllenhaal screams at himself in a mirror. Oh, my um, Lord. My wife often jokes with me about my boyfriends, one of whom is Mark Ruffalo. Gyllenhaal would definitely top this list as well. In <laughs> fact, I thought, because I'm often on the lookout for bearded characters I can possibly dress as for Halloween, Mysterio has topped the list for a year or so Interesting. now. But okay. that'd be really tough to pull off. Um, yeah, 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 yeah. But the scene where he screams at himself in the mirror, Gyllenhaal got so into this improvised scene that the mirror broke, cutting his hand. He was driven to the hospital by Gilroy after a 19-hour day of working and got 46 stitches no. in a four-hour-long operation, returning to the set six hours after being discharged. This is why he had his hand behind his back in the scene where he tells the scrapyard owner his motto. Oh, my Lord. That's insane. That's nuts. Like, you're just following that. Like, that man did not sleep. I mean, unless he dozed a little bit during the operation or, you know, during the... Man, breaks the mirror so badly that he, like, slices 46 open 46 stitches. 46 stitches. That's that, a lot. That's, that sounds that like a lot. That ain't right. No, it does. I think that's a lot. Yeah. That ain't right. <laughs> Watch some listener come in. Uh, actually, 46 yeah, yeah. stitches is, like, this actually, much. It's like, really? You, know, you need that many stitches? Just a little... Little cut, fellas. So, um, I found it interesting that Gyllenhaal, you know, speaking of just wild things that happened to him, he does most of his own driving scenes. Yes, I saw in that. That's pretty crazy. Um, including that climactic car chase scene towards the mm-hmm. end, which we'll, we'll get back into that as we move, make our way through the film. But yeah, that was nuts. I was like, dang. Um, I love this note. So, Riz Ahmed, who plays the character of Rick, it says several actors auditioned for that character. While most played him as a laid-back, kind of pot-smoking surfer, uh, Gilroy loved how Ahmed's audition played him far sadder, which actually yeah. is a really fascinating sort of take no, absolutely. on 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 uh, Lou Bloom's wingman there. Absolutely. Um, that's all I... Uh, oh, oh, one last thing just about Gyllenhaal before we just heap, you know, sort of mountains of praise is um, that he had memorized... The, I saw that. That's crazy. The script as if he were in a play, um, which considering the supreme amount of dialogue that Lou Bloom has and the way that Gyllenhaal has to like clip the yeah. speech, one, it was probably a very strategic and clever choice for him to memorize it all because it just allows him to you know deliver that quick step delivery. Um, but that would just be so intimidating because well, he says um, a lot of words. And, apparent, and I, I wouldn't have intuited this in the watching or it would have been subconscious if I had. He's in every scene. So, oh, yeah, that's you know, that right. Adds to that. um, I do want to add one more note to this because this may have some bearing on future conversations tonight. But sure, um, sure. the filmmakers made a point of not having Lou, uh, which is Gyllenhaal's character, undergo a character arc, which ah. is a very, I mean, that's a, that's a broken rule of screenwriting. Uh, because they felt yes because they felt he would have become a certain type of person and stayed that way as an adult that was why the initial scene has lou assaulting and robbing a security guard it was important the audience not feel lou became a worse person because of his work and instead recognize he was malevolent from the start i just thought that really interesting yeah and there's a lot to go into that when we you know perhaps when we get into the thematic interests of the film um but yeah, it, it is very unconventional in that way because you have a main character who most of the time a situation will be that like an arc of sorts will either be purely internal, 
A character's circumstances do not change, but they do. Circumstances and their internal world change. But this is one of those rare instances where the character internally does not change. Instead, who and what he is changes his circumstances and changes his situation. Um, and I find Did that you, very interesting. Um, I This hadn't pinged me until doing some reading, but now it stands out a lot more. Did you see and or like Drive? I with Gosling. I loved Drive. Yeah, yeah I thought Drive was. Flick. Yeah, I thought Drive was so great. Um, definitely interesting it, comparisons there. Hey, uh, I did want in the ways I try to occasionally to get us, you know, in case the juices weren't, <laughs> in case the juices weren't flowing yet. Um, I just got a question for you because because an interesting an interesting thing about this film hmm. is to me, it's almost as much about vocation uh as it is just about anything else and so reed i'm curious and you can have a moment to think about this if yeah i was not it. pre-prepped <laughs> i know um it's not overly whatever uh overly requiring much thought um but what was either your worst job ever or mm-hmm. if there's nothing that super stands out in that regard what was your first job ever worst or first do you want well, some time no i know i know automatically okay. um so i will just mention in passing because it's fun intersection that my first job was uh, at a video store so i mean my first my first real job mowed lawns and stuff like that as a younger child but um the uh but yeah my first legit job was at a video store my worst job was for a company that made that they populated the audiences of television shows that was the job Mm -hmm. that was my job was i had to call people and i had to convince them that they wanted to gather 10 to 15 of their prettiest best friends and come and sit in an audience and be paid very very be paid money but be paid very very little amount of money compared to the time that they had to invest in it they had to uh, be paid some money to come and watch a TV show taping. TV show taping. Uh, what listeners may not know, but may intuit, is that you know sitcoms, particularly of the three camera variety, um, sometimes take upwards of three to four hours to tape. If they're really efficient, they might only take two to three, but there's your minimum of three hours that you're going to be there, and you got to get there a couple of hours beforehand. Um, and doing that job, it's one thing if, say, when Friends or the Big Bang Theory or something like that was on, and people would have the opportunity to go and see a show they loved with stars that they loved, um, and they want to you know, spend time watching that TV show taping and see the outtakes and see the bloopers and stuff like that, then it's just a fun experience. They might do that for free. But to try to convince people who might not normally be interested in that to go and do that, it was uh, dreadful, dreadful work. One of the worst things about it, and that company is now out of business, so I feel a bit more boldness and liberty to to mention some of these specifics. Um, one of the most dreadful things about it is that there were certain shows where when the audience was going to be visible on camera, uh, they had demographic restrictions for who they did and did not want in their audience. And I hmm. felt so slimy sometimes having sure. to abide by that. There were um, certain perks to the job. Uh, 
many of my celebrity encounters came as a direct result of working for that year and a half in that job. The best, absolute best thing about that job is the fact that I I did not meet her this way, but this was the way that we sort of began to get to know each other is uh, my wife. My wife and I both worked at this. I was going to say. Yeah. You know, my wife and I both and worked the, at this. The, the wheat and the tares, brother. Yeah, because we met through a mutual <laughs> friend before I started working there, but then we worked together for a period of time at this same uh, very uh it, it, that that is hands down the worst job I have ever had and I've been a janitor. I've cleaned toilets. That was the worst job I ever had. So, yes. Well, there you go. That is an answer to that question. I appreciate that offering. <laughs> um, you know, I think my my first job was actually, it wasn't fun, but it's fun, funny to kind of talk about. There's this little, no longer in business, um, pizza place in the town I grew up in mm. where, and it had a really dumb name, but. I will I will follow your lead and not say the name of the place out loud, but um, <laughs> but the whole concept was you bought an unbaked pizza and took it home and baked it. Wait, so, so <laughs> and then these were like so essentially like a grocery. There's store more than pizza, one location here. Well, no, read. Higher it's not delivery, it's ingredients than that. <laughs> right, right. No wonder they're out of business. Uh, but no, that was the very first job I had. I, truthfully, I don't remember quite how long I was there. Uh, but then I would say, so that was my first, and it had some negative aspects to it. But probably my worst. <laughs> they would just hand you the money, and they would say, you got to print it yourself. <laughs> just hand you blank sheets of paper with that. Yeah. You know what? When you offered your thing, I wasn't like, oh, what a dumb thing. <laughs> Making fun of your business models, demographic restrictions. Uh, regardless, <laughs> my worst, I think, or at least what stands out as my worst, is in college, mm-hmm. uh, our, our shared alma mater. I think it was my freshman year. Uh, I, I worked the seasonal thing. At the KB Toy Store oh. in the Cleveland County Shelby Mall, or the Shelby Mall, or what, I don't know if it's Cleveland wow. County or Shelby Mall, whatever. Yeah, and I just remember adults fighting over Pokemon mm-hmm. and how that like scarred me to just like these stupid people. Wow. Yeah, yeah. So that was seasonal holidays in retail are rough. Yeah, Those are challenging. I've done my time there. I've served my. I've served my time there. That's pretty. That's pretty difficult. So yeah, I, I thought a movie that's at least sort of and maybe largely about vocation and entrepreneurialism yeah. would benefit from a little conversation about yeah. vocation and not really entrepreneurialism. So thank you for that indulgence, Reed. Yeah. So did you? How was the? What was the quality of the pizza? Like I'm very, cu- I'm very curious about. It was good. This. Like it was, it was so it was like. I mean, hype. I guess, I guess on a certain level, it depends on the quality of your oven, but <laughs> that would make sense. Yeah. You know, but I remember it was it was owned by this couple, and like he was this former military person. Which all props to military people. I I know and love some military people. I've been around them a lot in my life, but he was one of those kind of military people who was like oh. just, I, you know. I've always struggled with authority figures, 
part of it's my my four nature my theater guy nature i'm like yeah yeah you know it's like creature from the black lagoon like f this f that you know it's like <laughs> don't tell me john Locke. don't tell me what i can't do That's um right. and i'll never forget this dude just like and i was 16 mm-hmm. you know like theoretically a kid and this guy would just stand over you while you're like making oh. this stupid pizza that some person's some dummy's gonna buy and take <laughs> home and put in the oven and pay a premium price for <laughs> and i just remember this dude standing over me just like looming and barking oh like Come oh on. my gosh that ain't, wow. that ain't right yeah 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 wow. so yeah okay all right yeah we can, we can I, hop I, off the we can hop I off love, the pizza. I love that this has spawned such <laughs> wistfulness for you. Like, oh, my friend and his dumb job. <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean it's just it's a different it's a different kind of. It is indeed a unique concept. For well, sure. because well, because the first thing that struck my mind is I'm like, oh, okay, so like I do it at Albertsons. I go and I just buy a frozen pizza and I bring it home and I just and I bake it. Sure. But. Now, to be fair, I don't have the recollection to know the level of bake at home pizza distribution to grocery stores in 1995 you know so i don't know what that market was like clearly clearly the market for standalone mom and pop take home and bake pizzas was not robust you know this was not a (laughs) this was not a model built to last understood (laughs) understood understood it's like the napster of bake your own pizza (laughs) (laughs) napster of bake your own pizzas yes so that was a grand old trip down memory lane (laughs) i appreciate your um joining me there and your derision at the same time um (laughs) so let's jump into the camaro like i said i haven't seen the fast and the furious was that a camaro (laughs) i don't know cars but the sporty red vehicle that <laughs> Lou Bloom drives in Nightcrawler oh. and speed on down the highways and byways of LA at night. Reread. This is a hell of an opening. It's like it, it kicks the door down with that whole scrap metal thing because it tells you so much about what you need to know about who Lou Bloom, again, already is. Because he doesn't really go through an arc of change through the course of the film, so uh, yeah, everything about the way that he interacts with that you know night security guard. Again, you get acquainted with his bug eyes and his clipped speech like right away. Also, Jake Gyllenhaal, who I know from other films, can be a rather muscular, you know, full framed individual. Looks so like gaunt, and it's it's like his skin is sort of. I don't know. It doesn't sit well on his skeleton in this film. He just looks a little greasy well, and a little. What I'd read ugh. is he lost a good bit of weight, but he was also working out rather extensively and like wow. biking to and from set. Oh yeah. my gosh! Um, wow. I mean, he is just a hell of a performer. He really is. It's hard to sort of deny his charisma. And so, yeah, I mean, the opening scene is great. Um, I mean, there's so many different kind of inroads here. I right, right. There's, there's just his general performance and demeanor, you know, whether it's the dead eyed psycho kind of energy or the, the man bun energy. Um, I mean, I think Riz Ahmed is great. He's in excellent this. in this film. Yeah. And, and I, I mean, mean I, he is a very sympathetic 
pitiful character. He really is. And uh, it is really hard to pull off what he does in that role and have it be sympathetic and not buffoonish and not mm-hmm. be just utterly pitiful. Um, he really strikes a balance here that, that would be very, very difficult for lesser performers to be able to strike because you tilt that one direction too much and he's comically buffoonish. You tilt it the other way and he's almost, you know, sort of frustrating and annoying. Uh, but he really does thread that line of a guy that you're like, oh, man, please. You have no idea who you're, you know, running aground of in Lou Bloom and uh, and just gets absolutely, well, ultimately killed for it um which is just uh, yeah his character is very tragic and sympathetic i do love i mean it is an actively and actually hilarious scene to me when blue promotes rick oh i mean it is hysterical yeah and you know he promotes him from assistant to executive vice president and rick and, and a raise oh absolutely how much <laughs> pick a pick, pick a number and and he just hems and haws and he even mutters a hundred dollars because he had been being paid 30 bucks, I think a night or something, 30, like 20, 30, 20 or 30, yeah. uh, 30 a night. And, and you know, uh, uh, Lou Jake keeps pushing the things he's asking of him. And so finally he stands his ground and says, I want to raise, um, uh, <laughs> he's like, name a number. And he just, he just whispers a hundred dollars. Like you can see this poor pitiful, <laughs> like act actually poor, like can't, pay his bills right couch right. couch surfer guy and then he says 75 <laughs> and he disagrees <laughs> and then a beat later i could have gotten more couldn't i oh absolutely <laughs> <laughs> and he said and he's like now and he said nope we've sealed the deal <laughs> yeah yeah yeah, so, yeah but i also like i thought you were about to mention this when he when he says he promotes him from assistant to executive there's a like a sl- split second where he's sitting there, he goes, that's high. Like, you see the wheels turning oh. of, like, how big the leap is from assistant to executive. Yeah, yeah, he's yeah. like, that's high. That's a jump. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's just, oh, man, it's great. Um, yeah, that part's really great. Well, I, you know, the, the film rests squarely on Hall's performance. and yes. And so you know, we could either just greatest hit scenes or talk about some of the story itself. And maybe it is worth a mild summary, which is just that he is this, he's not a bum in the sort of lazy sense, but has no direction, no really personhood of the real kind of way we would imagine it. And so this, this opening scrapyard scene we reference, he's trying to extort a job out of someone he's trying to sell stolen goods to, um, then just kind of stumbles into this filming kind of crime scenes or, or accident scenes, uh, which is the title of the film Nightcrawler, what they call themselves, these folks who prowl the night for, footage they can sell to news stations yeah Um, they look around for accidents or or victims of violence that they can mm -hmm. be on the scene either concurrent to the cops and paramedics arriving or in best case scenarios before they arrive so that they can get graphic footage that they can sell to news outlets for premium prices um i would and and i think i'm gonna mention this yeah. And I think you're immediately going to go, yeah, 
so so I'm going to it's going to appear like a challenge, but I don't think I don't, I don't think it's one that you're going to like. I don't know that I would categorize him as directionless. I think he already has a direction. I think he don't have I think he doesn't have a vehicle yet. And what I mean by that is I think he knows what he wants and he knows how he wants to get it. But well, what I don't think I think he wants a successful empire. I think he wants uh, his own sort of business that he sure. controls yeah. and, and a money stream that he controls and does not want to have to answer to anybody. So initially what he does is he steals. The very first thing that we see is he steals that, you know, that copper, copper fencing, wire. you know, yeah. that copper wire. But what does he say to the man that he's trying to sell it? Two. He goes in and he says, I'm willing to take a lesser deal to enter into a business partnership. You know, sure. like that's what, and, and again, the guy totally shuts him down because he says, I am not going to hire a thief. Right. <laughs> like, right. I'm just not going to do it. But so that, so then I feel like he from the very beginning knows what he wants to achieve. He just has not determined yet. What is my outlet? That's what I meant by vehicle. What is what is my sure. method yeah. by which I'm going to achieve this thing? So when he stumbles upon the, oh, I can do this. Like, right. I can absolutely accomplish this. And then just begins to systematically execute his, for lack of a better way of putting it, I mean, he contextualizes it this way, his business model. Right. right. He begins to systematically execute. a business execute. plan. I watched yeah. the video. Said you need a business plan. Yep. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and so anyway, that's just the one little sort of pushback yeah. I would make. Like, I don't think he's directionless. I think just when sure. we meet yeah. him, he and knows And in the moment I was struggling with what word I would apply there, sure. it was more sure. just he, he doesn't have uh, the form. Yeah, the right. form, yeah. whatever his his ambition, however misguided it might be, would take. Right. Um, let's see what throw something out yeah 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 so i got a couple um so uh i mentioned only in passing i had completely forgotten bill paxton was in this always Mm. a joy to see bill paxton um even though he is in it for only very briefly um but uh yeah i had forgotten that he was in this um (laughs) i wrote this down and it's ironic as you mentioned the fast and furious movies last week it came up earlier in our countdown i said i don't watch the fast and furious movies so i have admittedly (laughs) very limited exposure mm-hmm. but that car chase at the end of the film is one of the most it's harrowing riveting. and thrilling things i have seen in a i film. think the whole sequence from the restaurant oh. through the shootout through the car chase through them stopping is oh nail biting i mean it yes. is fantastic yes it is it is incredible suspense filmmaking it is it is just really um, and again, heightened by the fact that it is known that Hall did a lot of that driving right. himself. But good Lord, that entire sequence. Um, so at this moment in my notes, they blend between because I listeners will not find it surprising based on my intro to this that I love this film and I love so much, if not everything about this film. So the parts that I would say, you know, sort of technically consider in a fear or a scare is still a love like i just i think that this film strikes such a perfect note for what it's trying to do um that uh that it i mean even right down to the freaking 
horrific visuals with a genuinely quite lovely melodic score. Like the music choice in this film is wonderful. Well, it's funny you bring that up because what stood out to me in a new way this time is, and I, I'm with you. I, I, I love the film. I think it's fantastic. It's uh, certainly not characters you would want to hang with, but <laughs> no, there's an even extra layer of, to me, humor once I sort of understood that what they're after is showing you the quote unquote American success story. Yes, like, absolutely. And mm-hmm. and when you kind of look at it with that lens, it's kind of hysterical in some places. Yeah, what, that's a good point. Mm-hmm. Because to your point about the music, those aren't harrowing music cues. Those no. are he's he's doing it guys those are like feel good inspiring look at this horrific imagery but don't worry about that this is lou achieving his goals right that's a really it's important to have goals in life interesting sort of uh uh layer to have on top of that no absolutely and i think very intentional like oh yeah a huge degree of the brilliance of this film is the way in which it does not have to. Now, this is my take on it. It does not have to beat you over the head with what it's trying to tell you. In in the same way, you know, I always look to bring up the exorcist. It just is it's an easy analogy in my head. In the same way that the exorcist did not need to sensationalize the horror, it just treated horrific things in a very realistic way. This does not need to editorialize. Nightcrawler does not editorialize around the soul-crushing, soul-eroding, degrading sort of thing that continues to happen as he loses, or or, um, he doesn't lose his humanity, but he's doing some rather inhuman and immoral things, um, but is treating them very much as like, this is the way I climb the ladder. This is my success. This is how I mm-hmm. um, get get ahead. This is how I get forward. And by doing it that way, s- without any editorialism, its its point is made so crystal clear that it's like, yeah, this is... Like, I'll, I'll mention this here. I was actually... I had written it down in Trivial Bits, but I'll mention it here. Um, the director... Who I should know. So okay, this is funny, and I don't always bring this up. I just thought this was interesting. I'm going to read the director's quote about it, and then share something that I read about when I looked up Roman J. Israel, which was his other film. So director Dan Gilroy on it said, "I think to some degree, uh, the film is certainly an indictment of local TV news, but I'd like to cast a wider net in the sense that all of us really watch these images." I would hope that maybe a viewer would take it further and maybe go, why do I watch these images? Mm -hmm. And how many of these images do I want to put into my own spirit? And something about his phrasing and his language there just sort of like pinged in in, in my cranium. And I remembered, and then when I looked up about Roman J. Israel, presumably, I don't want to be too presumptive here, but... Evidently, he and Denzel are both believers. Dan Gilroy, I know Denzel is, are both believers, and that in the filming of Roman J. Israel, like, would spend time, like, discussing scripture and even kind of, like, sort of getting, you know, getting together 
early in the days of the set to kind of like either pray together or do some sort of like spiritual alignment, if you will, while they were making Roman J. Israel. And I found that very interesting. And it had pinged me because of his choice of language there when he says, you know, like, how many of these images do I want to put into my spirit? That sounded like very sort of like, yeah, yeah, you know, faith based language or whatever. So, again, I'm not making too many presumptions around Dan Dan Gilroy's personal uh, perspectives here. Um, But I do think that when you factor something like that into this i don't think it's required to understand what the film is trying to say but i think it does add that other layer of like no this film is a very harsh and effective indictment of the kind of soulless way in which opportunists will come in and say well this is you know we talked last week about leveraging humanness to the destruction of others but that that's absolutely what lou bloom does is just like, oh, okay, I'm gonna I'm gonna film the train wreck. I'm gonna film the disastrous accident. I'm gonna film the 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 violence. And you know, one of Stephen King's most recent books is called If It Bleeds, based on a quote made from this movie. That's not where Stephen King got it. It's an old broadcasting quote that says, If it bleeds, it leads. And right. ba- you know, basically like if it's graphic, if it's upsetting lead with that because that is going to make people tune in. That's going to make people absolutely have to see it. Um, and yeah. yeah, and there's much more to say about that. I'm sure we'll get into, but anyway, sorry, just no, you're fine. Um, I, I, you know, the movie's fantastic. There's a ton we could pick apart in terms of, but I don't know that I want to unpack all the stuff and just let folks enjoy it. But in terms of what might be categorized scares, I mean, that bathroom mirror scene is insane. Yeah, absolutely. Um, mm-hmm. Even the tiny touch of his, that massive exhalation he does when he's watching the home invasion footage. Yeah. <laughs> Oh my gosh, I mean, yes. your boy is in the zone. Yes. Mm-hmm. Uh, the performer and the character. Um, the dinner scene with Renee at the restaurant. I mean, just Chilling. the yeah. the mental chess he's doing, which he, to, to, to su- say that it's chess seems to suggest um, subterfuge on his part. He's extremely open about what he's doing. Oh, absolutely. Um, and yeah. how he's trying to manipulate the scenario. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, I don't know if you have any other real specifics you want to say about the the technical aspects of the film. Well, I want to not not totally, but I want to piggyback on something you just said there about his openness. I find that so brilliant about his display as a character. This man is not with with a couple of very specific exceptions. He clips the footage of the two people leaving the scene of the scene of the home invasion. So he clips the scene of that and hides that, right? But for a lot of the times, he's very open. Like the 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 news reporter talking from the side of the home invasion. And he's like, hey, we're getting into a lot of trouble from the police. Right. We're catching a lot of heat from the police for showing that footage. And they want to know like who filmed it or whatever. Oh, he steps he steps me. forward. He's like, right. I, I shot it. I shot. They can talk to they, me. They can't hear you. Right. Yeah. And, th- and then like... When he calls in the 911 call, he's like, my name is Lewis Bloom. Like, he's like, no yeah. pretense or whatever. He is so, and that's part of what makes it so chilling is how brazen he is. He's calculated and he's manipulative, but he is, he's not uh, operating in subterfuge. He is absolutely like, nope, this is what I'm doing. You know, even when he throws that little, like, uh, I don't know, sleight of hand, if you will, when the cops arrive. And they're like, you know, we need to see that footage. And he's like, do I have to give it to you? 
right. then they're like, you know, yeah, you have to give it. He's like, it's okay. I made a copy. I knew somebody would be coming. I'm like, oh man, <laughs> like he's just he's got everything in the palm of his hand. He is a master puppeteer. Um, anyway, well, let's do you care if we that, tiptoe into the waters. Let's let's do it. Let's do it. That's not me uh, 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 diverting from you. It's it's saying this is where. I've exhausted, though I have other random notes, I've exhausted all that's important to me to say, except for what the film seems to be after, or at least what it kind of spoke out to me of. Like, so a couple of, couple of thoughts here, but once, once I kind of clicked in this time around on, okay, this is an, this is the subversion of the American dream made good story. Mm -hmm. So, you know, I've alluded to this over time, but like I work in a sales environment and I try to operate with integrity in that space. But read, lose conversations with Rick. Oh my God. In six years of doing what I do, I mean, it's a compilation, but mm -hmm. this is the essence of those worlds. Absolutely. And. And I'm just going to push us into the deep end here. I think unbeknownst to me until this actual conversation, how much under the skin and nightcrawler have to say to each other, mm. because this is a bit reductive, but Lou feels like the female, but he never encounters the deformed person. Oh, I see. Right. Mm -hmm. He, he never, he is content violating and stepping on and harvesting to his own end and never is confronted with compassion and forced to face real humanness. Right. And, you know, it's interesting. The, Gilroy quote of how do you live with these things in your spirit? I think there's a way in which watching this, this time to me, um, there's a couple of Nathanisms about to spring forth here. It's, it's, it's capitalism. It's mm -hmm. pick the thing you're good at. And if it brings you kind of material success, and I don't even mean material su success is inherently a bad thing. That's not what I mean. But as in, if the thing you're good at, you find that it brings you that success, just do more of it. Just scale up. Mm -hmm. This is entrepreneurialism. This is, you know, uh, uh, the, the free market ideal. I'm good at this. It's making me money. Um, it, but the problem becomes the, the shadow side of that is exploitation. Right. And, in these sales environments I operate in as a random, for instance, uh, in the last few months, the notion of healthcare came up hmm. and a, a peer of mine was like, ah, oh, you know, you know, it's the free market. It's the free market. You know, it's the, uh, let's free market determine that, you know, it's like a utility. It's like, uh, you know, you pick your thing, your, your cable provider. I was like, no, no, this is not that. This is not that we, uh, I was about to be real dumb and say we don't trade lives, but but that's what I feel in response to that. It's like we don't treat people like utilities, but mm. 
that is not just at its worst, but at a lot of its normal, what capitalism can look like mm-hmm. is treating people like utilities. And yes, another Nathanism is a raw quote here. Like I went to find this once this started steering this way. Um, this is from another name for everything. At some point, Rohr talks about he would get a lot of heat from listeners because of his critique of capitalism. And right. he was commenting on how this strange sacred cow that we have. And he says, this is what happens whenever you want to objectify anything or anybody. It is the nature of the capitalist beast. I've probably read this before that once everything is an object of consumption or an object of profit, it is then necessary to critique the capitalist mind. It is not inherently evil, but it is brought about a mindset that manipulates reality for private purpose. Mm. And that is literally what Lou does. Yeah. It's, it is in many ways what a lot of enterprise is built on right. is manipulating reality for private purpose. And I just, it's just fascinating watching something like this and how, how much we get, because you know, I don't know if you as my friend over the last couple of years are like, Oh, here's uh, you wouldn't be this, dismissive and how I'm saying this, but, Oh, here's one of the the drums. Nathan has come to beat the last few years or whatever. But, but like once I started to kind of comprehend what, and, and even by comprehending, I will own that. I don't fully, I'm not educated in this enough to speak about it with a level of expertise. But once you start kind of comprehending, Oh, like, the economy, the capitalism, the economy, pursuit, ambition, the quote unquote American dream. Like these are, these are not like just part of the thing we're meant to be involved in. I'm struggling with my words here, but in other words, these are not givens. You are not, it is not an inherent good. It is not of itself for lack of a better, a a less reductive way of putting it. Correct me if I'm wrong for yourself participation in the church activeness in the Christian life in America. Mm. It took self-educating to realize the American capitalist mind and Christianity were not the same thing. Mm. That's a long way of getting there. Does that make sense at all? Yes, I understand. Right. And, and so much of our speech in the church world i'm trying not to veer far from the movie but this is where the thoughts are taking me so much of our speech so much of our behavior is solely reinforcing that entwining Mm -hmm. which is a capitalist free market viewpoint and christianity Mm -hmm. and i think those are dangerous and they're dangerous at at best right they are understand the the heaviness of this word they are anti-christ at worst mm-hmm. you know and because you see someone because in a sales environment initiative uh entrepreneurialism uh innovation uh scale like all of these things are expected rewarded the dna of of success itself right so 
there's a lot of ways in which someone could watch Lou Bloom and say, you know, he's he's a quirky fella, but (laughs) he's just he's just doing this thing. Well, or as Nina says in the film, and I wrote this down under theme, I think Lou is inspiring all of us to reach a little higher. Yeah. And, and in and fact, that's it's after funny. the worst it's, of it, you know, it's funny. You, you reference Gilroy, a quote that I stumbled over multiple times is he views Lou like a cancer who mm. starts to infect everyone around him yeah. as directly illustrated by the final shot of the vans spreading out into the veins mm. of the city. Yeah. Cool. And so, you know, to your Nina quote, and, and I, I think sort of, what I'm at least trying to scratch after is yes, this, we look at that, not you and I, we necessarily, sure, although right. we could be, we could be bewitched into thinking, Oh yeah, that's good for him. Success. Mm-hmm. You know, like, but generally the general, we would look at those ambitions and pursuits and innovations and those efforts and say, well, good for you, fella. Mm-hmm. Get yours. When, you know there's this this language is is just springing up in the moment but that that capitalist mind and and christ-like mind would say "Eh, no Mm -hmm. these these things can exist on a neutral on a neutral setting um and and material good is not itself the evil but that neutral can with great ease and with but a but a light breeze fall over from neutral into negative to highly destructive. Oh, absolutely. Anyway, I'm I'm just, well, and I want so I want to pick up on a couple of things there. I think one of the reasons why you're a good friend and co-host for letting me just make the road by talking as, as always, as always we explore, we're explorers. So I think one of the, one of the key things and the reason why, You've identified it well. Roar's identified it well. Um, capitalism is a is a political and social system. It's an economic system. And any these days, it feels like it is categorized as capitalism good, socialism evil. Sure, sure. And or you know, pick your right. You know, pick your non capitalistic exactly system. Right, exactly. And the and one of the things that I would just yes and about what you've just said is that the moment I feel again rather blanketed bold statement but I feel like the moment any economic system political system anytime any sort of platform begins to be married or begins to be in bed with the walk of faith in Christ you are already you you are treading the waters that will corrupt your spirit entirely and pollute your theology. The moment that you begin to marry, and, and I'm not blanketing it to the degree of saying, you know, again, it's it's meant to be a yes and. I think you've identified some important things, and I think a lot of the bristling will be like, well, you can't talk about that way. You can't talk that way about a system that has provided jobs for millions of people. You can't talk that way about a system that has done substantive good. I can. <laughs> To the degree that I would say of anything, that the moment you have put it in bed as it is, as if it is the bride of Christ, sure. you are in trouble. The moment well, that you have uh, you another, know, that favor- another favorite roar got- is anything too big to criticize will soon be demonic. 
Yes. Absolutely. Absolutely. And, uh, and I wholeheartedly agree with that. I think if it is beyond criticism, you have made it divine. You have made it, uh, to a degree to where like, well, yeah, now I, now I can't say anything against it. And that is, that is shaky waters. That is incredibly treacherous. Um, you know, th- th- there's, there's a, a few things that could be unpacked about, you know, uh, Lou Bloom spouts off. I had written this one note. I'd written it in my, in my fears thing that his trek through the house of horrors mm-hmm. where he encounters the bodies and, mm-hmm. the, you know, bleeding out offers no assistance. No. Uh, and in fact, one of them gurgles as though perhaps yes, still, still alive. Right. Yes. Um, it's so disturbing, but amplified by the fact that when he runs out and is talking with Rick, what's he saying to Rick? He's giving Rick a freaking Monday morning pep talk meeting, right. like a corporate level right. sort of this is how you achieve your goals and this is how you, you know, you actualize it. When he is standing at the end over Rick, who has just been, you know, gunned down by some, you know, brief sleight of hand deception by Lou. D- Lou didn't shoot him, but absolutely positioned sure. him so that he would be shot. Um and when he So looks, that Lou could film it. <laughs> so that Lou could film it. And when he looks over him, he says, I can't jeopardize my company's success to retain an untrustworthy employee. He is referring in the story to his manipulative secondhand murder of this man. Right. And he says, I can't jeopardize my company's success to retain an untrustworthy employee. So his language is all surrounding business. So anybody that thinks right. as we commodity. Exactly. Commodification is so key to to what this film is interested in. Um so anybody who thinks, oh, Rita Nathan sometimes layer on this, you know, political and social conversation, like this this is very much in the text of the film. This right. I, I think there's an argument to be made that this is very much what the film is interested in. But I there's another point in it to the conversation between its Nightcrawler's dialogue with last week's episode about Under the Skin is when Rick finally is like, okay, okay. He he offers to give him half, which we know is a half hearted offer to begin with. But he sure. offers to give him half of the winnings. And he says, see you just don't understand people. You don't understand how to talk to him. And then Lou, in one of the most chilling, I didn't write the whole speech down. Lou talks a lot. But he <laughs> opens with this line. He says, what if my problem wasn't that I don't understand people, but that I don't like them? And I thought, for, as a script, dang, that's a hell of a line. Like, that is just like, what if my problem is not that I don't understand, but that I don't like people? And... What we're talking about, among many other things, is this whole, the commodification of humanness for material gain, and that be the only ends to which this material gain goes. And Nina, absolutely, like the other people in the office, feel the inhumanity of it and the immorality of it. They feel that. Um, the police officers, the detectives, to a certain degree, are very much like this is evidence. Like this is this is uh, indicative of a crime. Like we should be, we should have received this footage. And Nina's like, this was bought and paid for, right? <laughs> like this is, you know, this for is how the newsroom's product. The price yeah. hasn't been negotiated yet, right? It's like, oh my. Well, gosh. and what you're what you're what you're sort of speaking to there is that 
unfettered capitalistic expression, which is people are widgets towards productivity. It is not, you're, you're not a person. You're, you know, uh, right. uh, uh, Lou of uh, Rick, you know, you, you were in the way of growth. So he had him murdered in order mm. to achieve further growth. Uh, the people he films in the horror house, these are widgets. These are pieces of a puzzle he's trying to assemble to achieve success. I, I'm, I'm hesitant to share these stories, but this is the vocational life I lead these days. And like what work it takes to maintain one's inner health in the face of them, uh, a colleague who I with great infrequency agree on anything with, but, uh, yeah, uh, <laughs> recently, um, I'm not making this stuff up. You know, we sell directly to people and, and in a moment, I'm going to say this thing out loud and you're gonna be like, no way you're elaborating. You're embellishing that. I'm not, um, there have been moments like this in my half a dozen years in this vocation. And, uh, this gentleman said, um, with, with kind of wide eyed wonder, not with malice, which makes it almost worse. He's like poor people. Now I want to be very clear here in my line of work. Poor people means you and I, <laughs> right? Like sure, just standard right. middle-class folk, yeah, but that's who he's referring to in our context. He says, poor people are mean. And I said, what? He started talking about how normal, in our case, middle-class people receive what we're trying to sell to them sometimes. And I said, no, no, no. Real people, real poor people, they're a-holes. But I said the actual word, and, and his mm-hmm. eyes got real wide. And he's like, I can't believe you just said that. I said, I am utterly kidding to illustrate to you how utterly absurd and mm. inhuman what you just said was. Right, right. But, and... Listen, I'm sure there are areas in which someone could say, well, Nathan, here's some blind spots you're operating in in your capitalistic sales environment. Sure, of that's course. not. That's, I'm not trying to pretend that isn't the case, but I am trying to say being enmeshed in that world will illustrate to you very quickly how easy, how easily we are preyed upon by the power and principality that is the capitalist mind. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. And listen, for anybody, and, and I'm just. Yeah. Give me room. So for anybody who might hear in the current climate of politics and and society and might balk and be like, oh, my God, do not do not touch my God fearing Bible wielding. Do not touch all of that. I will present to you as gently as I can stomach presenting it. First Timothy, chapter six and a few verses from there that many people no, but does not feel these days that many people wrestle with when we're having this conversation. Mm-hmm. I'm going to read them a little out of order, and you can call me a heretic, or not you, but people can call me a heretic for doing that. I'm reading them out of order for dramatic emphasis, if you will. Um, verse 9 says, those who want, this is First Timothy 6, 9, those who want to get rich fall into temptation and a trap and into many foolish and harmful desires that plunge people into ruin and destruction. Verse 10, for the love of money is a root of all kinds of evil. Some people, 
eager for money, have wandered from the faith and pierced themselves with many griefs. And all I will say to that is if there are any of you who who would think that it is unheard of that the capitalistic, opportunistic ideology might, when placed in the same bed as your Christian faith, is not a problem. Again, I gently submit to you actual scripture. And will you say, reread nine? Yes. You've got that pulled up. Absolutely. Because I want to make a note there. Those who want to get rich fall into temptation and a trap and into many foolish and harmful desires that plunge people into ruin and destruction. Now, I don't have um, – this is this is from the Nathan Rouse commentary, okay? <laughs> but what you just said, there's a world where – because I try to envision – I hate doing this sometimes, but I try to – okay, well, how would the person that I, in my head, argue with – Sure, speak of that like oh well i'm not going to fall into those traps i'm not going to be one of the people read that last part again what was the uh many many people many foolish and they they fall in and into many foolish and harmful desires that plunge people into ruin and destruction that plunge people into ruin and destruction i would make the case at least in this moment for the point i'm trying to make that there's two parties that that's Mm -hmm. referencing Mm -hmm. there's the person there's the person who pursues and 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 seeks gain and may fall into trap and then there's the people who what does it say uh plunge people into ruin and destruction and those people by their pursuit plunge people others Mm. into ruin Mm -hmm. and destruction and and that's the problem that is the juxtaposition is because in our pursuit we can with great ease as one who even still will find ways to do this myself sure but with great ease, our own pursuits neglect the others that our pursuits cause potential harm to. Absolutely. Can I? Well, and yeah. if I may be permitted, I will that's, go backwards in the chapter. Do it. To verse two, where it says, there are things you are to teach and insist on. If anyone teaches otherwise and does not agree to the sound instruction of our Lord Jesus Christ and to godly teaching, they are conceited and understand nothing. They have an unhealthy interest in controversies and quarrels about words that result in envy, strife, malicious talk, evil suspicions, and constant friction between people of corrupt mind who have been robbed of the truth, take note of this, and who think that godliness is a means to financial gain. Mm. That's verse five. Verse six, but godliness with contentment is great gain verse seven for we brought nothing into the world and we can take nothing out of it Mm -hmm. verse eight but if we have food and clothing we will be content with that now i'm not i'm gonna start saying to people that i don't agree with (laughs) you are conceited and understand nothing (laughs) and then walk away (laughs) that's scripture it's my bumper sticker and and like you know it is rare on this show being explorers and not explainers it is rare on this show for us to to uh, you know unpack the specifics of scripture or use scripture as a sort of a blunt tool sure. to try to push things forward. And I have zero intention of doing that. But there is so much about the resistance to the cautions that people have about like, hey, don't put in bed faith and money. Don't do it. 
please don't do it. And there's so much resistance to that caution that, that a, a passage like first Timothy six causes me, you know, like it, it, it like fire in my bones wants me so right. badly to say like, listen, I am not saying, I am not saying, okay, just throw away all your capitalistic infrastructures. Okay. I am not saying, oh my God, let's become, although maybe, but sure. <laughs> right. You know, I am not saying, oh, well, let's become, you know, fully socialist Venezuela or whatever other sort of retorts that people would begin to throw back. I am not saying any of that. I am simply and very deliberately saying godliness with contentment is great gain. I'm not going where people who are listening to this show and have listened to this show for a long time know that my mind is probably going. People who have an unhealthy interest in controversies and quarrels and words about words that result in envy, strife, malicious talk, evil suspicions, and constant frictions between people of corrupt mind. Been robbed of the truth who think that godliness is a means to financial gain. Like Nathan, oh my God, the diagnosis on so much of what is happening to people of faith in this time and season in which we find ourselves. And in this place, because we have a lot of listeners from around the world, we have a pretty substantial listenership in Canada. Thank you, Canadians. We love you. I'm wa- I'm still waiting for my support Canadian. So, but I think they're 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 ready for you. <laughs> they're ready. Yes, yeah. We just we just need if to you're waiting, one. it's because there feels like a spiritual metaphor here. If you're waiting, it's because you haven't opened the door. <laughs> Have not because you ask not. Right, right. But I feel so so passionately about the means I had actually recently a really encouraging talk with my father and my father and I talked because he and I don't always see eye to eye politically. We don't even always see eye to eye um, like spiritually and theologically. Uh, We interpret certain things in, in slightly different ways, but he and I had a little mini amen fest when we talked about the ways in which um, the, 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 when theology and alternative systems, political systems, economic systems, anything, the Republican Party, the Democratic Party, capitalism, socialism, when any of it gets thrown into the bedroom with your theological framework, you are literally the sharks are swarming. You are on you are dancing on the edge of a knife and need to. Well, and what I would, what I would throw things. in there and what I was trying to but rather poorly articulate earlier is for me, but I did reference this on the dead zone is this season that I felt has been ongoing as I've receded from a certain level of social media engagement, things like that is to fortify myself. And so for me, Mm. it's about not so much. This is a, this is our show and a safe space and people who listen to us tend to, recognize that and and understand that they are welcome to do so as well but um out and about you know outside the locker room of discussing this stuff and practicing uh for the outside world i don't know that would be as bold but you know for me it's about coming to revelation that when scripture talks about powers and principalities it isn't some smoke monster on an island somewhere right Right. It is the forces at work in your present space that you don't see or perceive are impacting your choices and decisions. Right. 
Right, of course. And for the love of God, American capitalism is one of those forces. Mm-hmm. And which, again, is not stating with declarative emphasis that it is inherently wicked and evil. That's not the point. Right. The point right. is, it reminds me of, I think this is where the imagery I'm thinking of comes from. The old Alan Moore Superman story for the man who has everything. This mm, yeah. imagery yeah. of like a, like an attachment. Yeah, the right? parasite that, on the chest. Yes, right. yes. Right, right, this right. this mm-hmm. parasitic thing that you can't see and don't know is there. Mm-hmm. But that only the communion and fellowship of of those whose loyalty is your your own faithfulness and great good and love being the common cause only in that presence can you start to comprehend oh my god wait a minute my choices have not been without influence right right <laughs> you know so so that all i would say the only reason i bring you know engage it that way is simply to say this is for me this is my own sort of learning and comprehending being a, a previous unknowing participant in these powers and principalities and right. systems uh and at least now being able to and i'm sure there's others i'm not aware of that are still oh, impressing, impressing themselves upon me but being able to start to wrestle away from subconscious and unknown influence to conscious and and being able to name okay that's the thing that is affecting me and is impacting Mm -hmm. me and is you know uh most often to a to a negative that we want to call a good Um, right but i do think that's a trouble spot for many of us especially you know you and i are recording in a moment where it feels like it's been going on for quite some time, but we're, we're at the, we're at the, the, the top of the mountain in terms of America's embroiling wrestling with these ideas, you know, right. And, and of course, us as, as believers, uh, trying to extricate ourselves from these systems while still being present amongst them. Anyway, right. Of course. I don't no, feel like I'm making no. a ton of sense, but, no, I mean I'm 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 following you, so hopefully, you know, all the listeners are as well. I think that like I think it, it what this what Nightcrawler illustrates for us is the ways in which any ambition, virtually any ambition, um when you are willing to commodify the people around you Virtually any ambition can reach its fruition. You can have sure. You can have the mountain. You can have the world. You can have all of it. Although the question from other scripture, what would it profit you mm. to gain all of that and lose your soul? What would that profit be? You know. Um, but that's what Nightcrawler sort of illustrates for us is. It, it's not about a man who becomes a soulless monster. It's about the ways in which a soulless monster can win, right. can, can uh, succeed. Again, like it's right. a success story, yeah. you know, and, and that he does so with this wake of devastation around him. It's, 
It's powerfully affecting. It's great as it, we haven't mentioned this very much because of how much the film has on its mind, but it's a great thriller. Like it's, yeah. it's very, it's, it's wonderfully paced. Gyllenhaal is so volcanically charismatic. Um, it's, it's so watchable. It's a, it's an incredible thriller. Um, so if you're just looking for something, it that really you gotta, is the, you know, fascinating how much echo it and under the skin have with each other. That is true. Yeah. And that was not planned. The listeners no. picked the list, you know, good job, this, listeners. This can't, yeah, good job listeners. We, we appreciate you. Um, but I, but I do feel like that that's, that's so much of what rises up in my heart about it. And I know that, you know, this is probably the, the landing platform for us to close down the conversation, but that's, that's what it does so much of in my heart and conversation uh, and reflection is to say like, yeah, this is ambition unbridled is not automatically praiseworthy. Mm. In fact, it, it may not even be praiseworthy, you know, in, in most contexts. I mean, Reed, uh, no, I'm sorry. There's like the, the, there's a world in which someone is going to message me and be like, Nathan, you should quit your job. You, you might be right. But, um, <laughs> I mean, just recently in like our, kind of work thread this there's like a dozen plus people in this. And it was like uh, this, this, this inspiring video from this guy. It was Jordan Belfort. Who's the ding dong, uh, um, Wolf of wall street guy. And I, and I respond, I was like, you know, he's a criminal, right? You know, like you, you crap on people who quote unquote, break the law. This guy is that like it, Right. This is what I'm talking about. It is you use the word unbridled. It is unfettered ambition coupled with unfiltered um, discernment. There is no discernment. Say that again. It is Un unfettered ambition coupled with unfiltered discernment. And that is it's that deserves to be written down. Absolutely. Well, somebody get on that. Becky, <laughs> go to. Um, uh, and what's astonishing to me, this isn't me tooting my horn or patting myself on the back, but being able to watch this stuff and say, you know, this is great, but let me throw someone who doesn't look like a white dude in here who may have had some run-ins previously and see how well you receive that. Mm -hmm. Point being, use your freaking discernment. And say, well, is Nathan saying someone who had an altercation with authority in the past can't be productive today? That's not at all what I'm saying. And that's insanely the wrong takeaway if that's where you go. But my point is simply, we just don't care if ambition is exercised and unfettered gain is accomplished. We just don't care. Right. Right. We say, oh, well, yeah, but. That guy's a baller, but I mean, oh it's, yeah, that, that, that dude, look at, look at, anyway, I'm sorry. No, in, in profound contrast to the sort of the negative representations of what we're talking about, John the Baptist, who Jesus Christ himself referred to as one of the greatest men who ever lived, you know, like, uh, if, if I'm recalling the scriptures correctly, called him the greatest man who ever lived. John the Baptist said, when Christ emerged on the scene, he said, he must increase, I must decrease. And this is in direct contrast to the attitude. It is a, it is a crucifixion of ambition to where it is, it is, I am, I must decrease. 
Like, what kind of soul life-giving work would it take for us to recognize he must increase and I must decrease? And yes, you could take that to all kinds of hokey Sunday sure, school sure. places. That's not what I'm after at the moment. I'm talking about that recognition of saying, my ambition may soon, like a red giant star, may soon you know, reach this point to where it is beyond me if I do not make sure that I maintain a certain degree of personal humility, maintain a certain degree of generosity, maintain a certain degree of understanding and recognition that I came into this world with nothing. I will leave it with nothing except for what I have shared, except mm-hmm. for what I have gifted, except for what I have, you know, like, like and, and to that end, We've beat up a lot on capitalism uh, in this, and somebody might throw back, and they would be right and fair to do so, that in many, many instances, uh, entrepreneurial capitalists are often the biggest philanthropists. Okay, fair. Sometimes that's because their heart is full of brimming and because they have recognized that to whom much is given, much is required. Sometimes that's the tax break. And sometimes they're absolutely not. Yes, and sometimes they're absolutely not. (laughs) Mr. Bezos. but it is, but it is um, worth mentioning that there are some people who have have built profound wealth and have given a tremendous amount of it away. Yes, that is true. Thank God for those people. Thank God for the system which enabled them to be so generous. In, in truth, that's not the same conversation as recognizing that when our ambition reaches the point to where we consider its fulfillment sacred. And we consider the fulfillment of our ambitions a holy mandate. Tear down that idol. Tear it down yesterday and destroy it. Because what you have done is taken what you have in your hands, put it into a furnace, fashioned a golden calf, and said, that's the God that delivered us out of all of this oppression and wickedness. And that, I mean, it's devastating. It's utterly devastating to your spirit and to your soul. And it needs to be torn down. That and, part of it needs to yeah. be torn down. And and maybe as my a last thought, hopefully, you know, you, you said a second ago of, of benevolent entrepreneurs, this, I'm not criticizing you for this, but this mythic unicorn that exists out in the world. But, <laughs> um, you know, the phrase you used was thank God for the system that enabled this. I would nuance that and say, you know, Thank God they took a system that did not intend for them to mm. use it for good and yeah. chose a way to find good to be used from it yep. because of the conversations I've had in six years where someone would say to me who was successful at what I do, um, you know, in, in a, a moment of leisure, say, uh, this is so great. This is the only thing that matters. And my, I would say, God given detachment to say, no, it isn't. This mm. doesn't matter. It's yeah. just a thing like mm-hmm. you, you, you abuse or use a thing at your spirits leading. Now right. that spirit ideally is formed, uh, uh, in concert with, you know, God herself, if I can say that, uh, but point being, no, don't thank God for the system. Thank God for people who know how to utilize the system to benefit others. 
Uh, and I think that's a fair alteration. Absolutely. Because I, uh, yeah. Which like, isn't me critiquing you, just my own thoughts and response. Uh, no, I mean, who looks at a statue and goes, wow, what a wonderful tool Michelangelo used, you know, like, who, you know, who, I mean, sure. we don't, we don't do that. Um, and so that's, that is a fair alteration. Um, I, you know, and gosh, this film ignites my imagination so much, you know, there's so, there's so many, I'm, I won't, I'm, I'm ending it, but I, I, there's so much that I would love to say about, you know, just his pressing in and, and his dehumanizing and, and, and all those kind of things. It's, a, it's an utterly fascinating thriller. It's a, it, now this, my second viewing, it's a film that because of what it reminds me of in its explorations, I think I might be revisiting much more frequently in the years to come because uh, it was, you know, perhaps because we were preparing for this conversation, but I think a lot of it was just because of the way the film is built and the way that it expresses its ideas. Um, it's, it's masterful and uh, reminds me tremendously. Like <laughs> there's not one bit of scripture spoken in the film. The film is, is definitely like earns its R rating, but pointed me in my imagination towards so many validating scriptures where I was like, this is why, <laughs> like, this is, this is why those scriptures, this is what those scriptures were saying to us. Yes. And we have not listened. Uh, and this is, and this is what they repeat, you know, that, that we cannot serve two masters, God and money, you know, that, that, and, and I know this conversation at large is not just about money and material gain, but also about, right. uh, un, yeah. you know, uh, ambition as a whole, because that can be pointed in a number of different directions, perhaps most frequently towards money and material gain, but uh, can be pointed to a number of different places. Um, but uh, but it is it is genuinely encouraging, weird as that might sound, for me to watch Lou Bloom's story, recognize him for the bug-eyed cancer that he is, and recognize <laughs> like, okay, no, that that is That's not. Great. That is not what we are supposed to be. Right. That's not what we are supposed to exhibit. That's not what we're supposed to endorse. That's not what we're supposed to encourage. We are supposed to reject, resist, and tear down that degree of idolatry. We have lest to. We, lest we destroy others in our pursuit. In the process. Um, no, Absolutely. it's a hell of a film. It's funny. I don't know if you saw this, and I didn't write it down, so I'm, I will be remiss on what exactly uh, the awards were, but Hall is in a certain category of actors who were nominated pretty much across the board for every acting award, except the Oscars. It was considered a major snub. Yeah. Uh, I remember the I stumbled. Ab- exactly. I don't remember the awards. I remember mm-hmm. I stumbled across it and, uh, I remember another name that was referenced in the same camp was Paul Giamatti's performance in sideways, like literally mm-hmm. nominated for everything and then was not nominated for an Oscar. Uh, Hall literally nominated for everything, won multiple things, not nominated for an Oscar for this. Um, and absolutely should have been. I mean, it is He's a, a powerhouse, powerhouse performance. Oh my gosh, that's so funny. <laughs> oh man. Uh, Too many levels just intersected is, with each other right there. Uh, let's let's get out of here. Um, we okay. are going to finish this conversation going to the fog meter. The fog meter, friends and neighbors, um, is our particular metric. Uh, not to be confused with the fog machine, which is what we turn on at our fog parties. Um, uh, <laughs> the fog meter is our particular metric of fear and God. How 
how scary a thing is, how substantive a thing is. Um, in this case, the film Nightcrawler, directed by Dan Gilroy. Um, read on the fear measure. What what would you sort of give to Nightcrawler here? Well, when it is disturbing and chilling, it is incredibly disturbing and chilling. It is not the type of scares that will give you, you know, utter nightmares, but because of its effectiveness at that sort of just cold chill that runs up your spine when you see what's happening, I'm going to give it an eight. Hmm. Interesting. Um, I think for me, I'm going to land at a six because I think categorically it's more thriller slash crime drama. I mean, it's fantastic at what it does and, and, uh, so yeah, I'm going to land at a six just for kind of genre, the genre bending nature of it. Um, for God though, I think because of the, the meticulousness of its design and production and performance and, um, strange, a, a strange word that just came to me in light of what the film is, it's conscience. Um, mm-hmm. Oh yeah. I think, I think I might land at an eight because if anything i think the movie is saying this is not the path to pursue oh absolutely absolutely and i mean like you talk about you talk about conscience um i will just make this side subject and there's tons of other examples i can point to one of the biggest most prominent examples that people point to is is the tv show breaking bad but just because a film is showing the tragic moral decline of its characters that absolutely is a film of profound conscience conscience does not always have to look like the bad guys getting their yeah yeah, the bad guys getting their comeuppance uh that level of you know everything works out in the end this is a film of profound conscience um so i couldn't agree more with that i'm gonna give it a 10 on the substance meter i i I, I'm I'm really really energized in my spirit by what the film had on its mind and how it explored it i mean it's just it's it's a powerful powerful film so that means that we give nightcrawler directed by dan gilroy his actually it's his directorial debut he'd written several things before but uh his directorial debut we give it an eight out of ten on the fog meter a very very strong showing for nightcrawler and i think well well deserved uh do you recommend it though uh I wouldn't mind turning it on right now. <laughs> I was thinking the same thing. I was like, I might watch, I might rewatch some scenes tonight. Cause I mean, like, yeah, I highly recommend this. It's a film. nice luxury you have at this moment. Oh yeah, that's true. Mm-hmm. Um, no, it's a, it, it, it's a powerful film. I highly recommend it. I think people need to see it. I think particularly in, in, in the hour we're in, um, I think it will, you know, it could reinforce or challenge all the kinds of things that we need to be challenged on in certain aspects of our spirit right now. So I, mm. it's, I, I highly recommend it. I think it's, I think it's a fantastic, outstanding film. That's awesome. Um, do we know what we're talking about next week? Yeah. Yes, we do. So, oh. um, yeah. So next week, <laughs> let me rephrase that. Hey, Reed, do you know what we're talking about next week? Cause I don't. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, next week, we are going to be so the, the as of uh, this episode, the voting is closed, and so uh, next week we are going to be counting down your selected top ten favorite horror films of 2015. Wow! One thing that I should mention about this list: the film we are covering, and this is the first time we've had to deal with this. The film we are covering is actually relatively low on the list. 
The reason is because we have covered most of the list already. Like 2014, we've covered most of the films that you'll hear us talk about next week. But I'm kind of excited to dive into this one. So next week, uh, if you want to, a soft return to uh, hashtag Del Toro Toro Toro, because we are going to be covering Guillermo Del Toro's film Crimson Peak next Interesting. week. Interesting. So, so right. yes, that yeah. So that is our 2015. It's been on the long list to maybe get to at some point in time. Oh, Didn't know perfect. it was about to happen. So here we are. Yeah. Very cool. So here we are. So next week, we're going to be talking about Guillermo del Toro's film Crimson Peak, um, and we'll be counting down your list of your favorite horror films. And again, for those of you who are like, wow, Crimson Peak made it all the way up near the top. Again, we've covered most of the list. <laughs> it was 11, actually. <laughs> it was like 14 coming in on Crimson we, Peak. We covered no, no, a no. lot of 2015 films. <laughs> no, it is it is in the top 10. It is firmly in the top 10. But yes, so... Um, so but. Get out the vote for 2016 through th- 2020, um, wow. 2020. Uh, so go to fearofgodpodcast.com, click the banner on the top to take you to those surveys. But next week, 2015, uh, Crimson Peak and your favorite horror films from that year. So Great. we are nearing the end of the year. It's, I it's don't crazy. even know how to digest that. I know it's terribly crazy to think about. Um, but Nathan, thank you very much for yes. this conversation. This was uh, enlivening to me and I appreciate it. Thank you for um, letting my mind wander. Absolutely. Listeners, thank you so much for hanging in there with us. Thank you for letting us sort of unpack all of our very, very passionate thoughts about these subjects. Um, And as we say on every episode, the fear of God is the beginning of wisdom, but not the end of the conversation. And in that spirit, we encourage you to fear nothing else and be on your way rejoicing. We'll see you next week, everybody. See you guys. The fear of God is the beginning of wisdom, but not the end of the conversation. And you can continue the conversation in a variety of ways. Start by visiting thefearofgodpodcast.com for all the latest episodes and news, as well as for merchandise and how to contact us. You can follow us on Twitter, at The Fear of God, on Instagram, at Fear of God Podcast, or join the Facebook Fear of God discussion group. Special thanks to Jacob Hunt of jacobhuntcomics.com for our artwork to Lee Wright and Reed Lackey for our theme music, and to Tyler Smith and MoreThanOneLesson.com for making our show possible. Lastly, be sure to subscribe to us on your podcast platform of choice, and if you listen to us through iTunes, we would greatly appreciate a rating and a review. Thanks for listening. We'll see you next week.